Good morning, good evening, or good night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the RDO Podcast, episode number 59, with the boys, Alex and Jason Von Cannell. How are you this morning, Alex? I'm good. I'm uh, repping my McLaren Racing Formula 1 t-shirt today. And, and shirt, can, can you, so for people who can't see the McLaren shirt, uh, can you describe it to them? It's glorious. It's a special edition. Special edition, okay. Because for Monaco this year, they did a one-off golf... Uh, petroleum livery, and if anyone anyone is a uh, racing fan, the golf livery is that light baby blue with orange um, sort of trimmings on it. Mm-hmm. And we ordered this as soon as they released it. They sold it out straight away, and it took about four months to get it, but it finally got it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm wearing it is because on the weekend just passed, they were racing at Monza in Italy, mm-hmm. and. Daniel Ricciardo, racing for McLaren, won his first race for three years. Wow, wow. It was... And then Lando Norris, his teammate, came Mm -hmm. second. Yeah. And it's the first 1-2 McLaren finish for 13 years. Wow. The last person to do it, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, awesome for um, Daniel to get the... The badger off his back, yeah. Because, because yeah. he's mentally he's been really like struggling with the car. He can't seem to, like apparently the McLaren's got <laughs> a very small window of uh, of adaptability, mm-hmm. and he's been really struggling with it. But I think he literally just flicked a switch in his mind, saying, "No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it." And he did it. Now, yes, Hamilton and Verstappen did crash out, mm-hmm. but Daniel was already leading, mm-hmm. and he would have won it on merit. Yeah, uh, his pace was better, and mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. It, not only did he win it, not only did McLaren come sec- uh, second, Daniel Ricciardo got the fastest lap on the last lap mm. of the race, which shows that he had heaps more pace left in Yep, him, yep. Because he did it on 35-lap old tyres. Uh, and he also got driver of the day. Wow. So it was like a quad vector. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Very successful weekend for Aussie sportsmen last weekend. You had... Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo winning his first race in three years. You had our Paralympic tennis player, Dylan Olcott, first man in history to complete the Golden Slam. What's the Golden Slam? So the Golden Slam is when... So there's the four majors in tennis. So you've got the Australian Open, Wimbledon, uh, the French Open, Roland Garros, and uh, the US Open. And winning all four of those in one calendar year is called a Grand Slam. Mm Mm-hmm. What a golden slam is, is when you also incorporate an Olympic gold, individual gold oh. medal. So he's the first man in history to have ever completed a golden slam. Interesting. Now, That's interestingly cool. enough, there was a, I think it's a Swedish girl who, because they play nice. their final before the men play their final, she was the first person to ever do a golden slam. Right. Um, but yeah, first, so Dylan Olcott, our Aussie, Aussie boy Dylan Olcott, first ever bloke to do a golden nice. slam. Uh, Sam Stozer won the doubles title as oh. well. So uh, she's fallen on hard times as far as singles go uh, in her career of late. But yeah, doubles still killing it. So she won the doubles title. Mm-hmm. So that was great. You had the Wallabies beating... Uh, who did they play last week? This is really bad if I can't remember. I don't know if it's Argentina or the Springboks. Anyway, shows how much of a Union fan I am. But they won by Quade Cooper, who is another reformed... 
player who's been in and out of that team a million times over the years. So he was always the guy who was always a scapegoat when mm. they were losing, back when I stopped watching because they lost all the time. Um, but he kicked a penalty goal to give them the win after the siren. So that was pretty exciting. Cool. Um, and what else happened last weekend? There's something else. Was but anyway, the I was, UFC? Uh, no, there was no UFC last weekend. That's no. why I paid attention to other sports. So, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Aussie's doing well all around the world. Well, to counter that, can I talk about some Aussies that are doing not too well? Uh, you can. I just want to say a few things before we sure. get into it because this, this is obviously a big, big subject. So uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention up, up front. First of all, thank you for everyone who has supported us in the last couple of weeks. Our viewership has really started to increase and I think that is because you guys are helping us out by you know, liking the videos, sharing them with your friends, subscribing. It really does help us out. So if you haven't done so already, like, share, mm. subscribe. It really, really does help to support us. And send this stuff to your friends who you think might need to hear it. We've had a lot of feedback in the last week about, particularly last week's episode. So thank you very much for that. Uh, one thing I'll, I keep forgetting to mention, so I'm going to mention it now. If you do want to get involved in the conversation in the YouTube comments, yeah. Uh, please don't put a link in your comment because I've just come to realize YouTube is blocking anything that's got links in it. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense because obviously as a website, they don't really want links which are going to take you away from YouTube. Yeah. So I guess that and makes sense. The ability for scammers and things like that. Yeah, well. so yeah. Can- so, so I know obviously a lot of our, a lot of discussions we're having at the moment, it's about data and it's about studies and I saw this and I saw that. So if you do have something like that, just explain to us in the comments what it is that you're referring to and how we can go about searching for it to yep. find it ourselves. Yep. Uh, because I know uh, Edmund Enbid, uh two weeks ago, there was a link that you posted. It came up as a notification on my phone. Yeah, I've never seen your actual comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, YouTube's I blocked it. it. I, I've put some links up there. Yeah, and they just it, it will show up. There's a little marker there to say that there's a there's a notification saying that there's a uh, comment there, but it's never showing up. And yeah, even on my side, like from my screen, it doesn't show up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just please join join in the conversation in the comments. We really love all the feedback. Uh, we also understand how polarizing these subjects are, and a lot of people don't want to have public discussion at the moment. So for everyone who has reached out to both of us in the mm. last week, uh, thank you for reaching out. We've had honestly a, a, an amazing amount of feedback so far so that's been really really great uh that's all i've got at the beginning just as far as housekeeping mm-hmm. goes so if you want to sort of speak about what uh what you want to speak about so we spoke about all the good stuff that aussies have done i want to talk about some of the darker stuff that sort of happened this week so mm-hmm. uh i've i i've reached out or been re had been reached out to is that right? That doesn't sound right. You've had some people reach out to I've you. Had some people reach out to me as well that aren't doing too good, and it's just with the way that the world's going. A bit of well, I, I think it might be a bit about age group. Everyone's sort of around um, my age group. Mm-hmm. A lot of they're, they're all men for a start. I'll, I'll, I'll say that, and we're all kind of feeling pretty much similar sentiments. Okay. That being that feel like that lack of achievement. Mm-hmm. Feel like you know the world's getting us down, mm-hmm. and um, I thank the guys for reaching out. Yeah, I think that's really really important. I mean, everybody knows that men typically don't yeah. speak to people when we're having these issues, and we need to. Yeah, we absolutely need to. Everyone needs to. And just a little bit of, uh, just so people know, 
if you go to your GP and say that you've had um, thoughts that you know aren't very nice, mm-hmm. uh, you can get a referral to see a psychologist. And mm-hmm. if you get the referral, the government pays for basically three quarters awesome. on Medicaid. That's on a really Medicaid. good tip. Thank yeah, you. It's only a little yeah. bit, a little bit out of pocket. Um, there are. So I've done sessions myself, mm-hmm. and something that I got out of it was like. I'm so surprised that we're allowed to walk around the world without knowing what our brain's doing to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And some of the tools are so powerful that it it all, I almost feel like therapy should be mandated. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I feel I feel like it's it's like being able to wield a samurai sword out in public or something like that. It yeah, just feels yeah. it feels so dangerous not having to, not understanding what it is that your brain is telling you. Mm. And and um, some of the techniques that, that that I've got out of that are are, are uh, uh, absolute imperatives yeah, right. in life as, as as we go forward. So I just want to put it out there that that just do it. You got to do it. Mm. Like if you if if you're feeling that way, there's no um, there's no harm in asking for help. Mm-hmm. You're being a man by yeah. by doing it. Yeah. By addressing it. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm telling you, it, there, there is there is a whole wealth of knowledge out there that will will give you tools that you never thought you needed, mm. and you can't believe that you never had before. Yeah, so. and it's so interesting that you say that too, because you you're 100 percent correct. We we go through 12 years of schooling. You're never taught anything about how your brain works. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do things like sex ed and stuff like that, which is to give you an understanding of those biological impulses that you go through when you're a younger person. But they don't they don't teach you anything in regards to, you know, how your dopamine receptors work, how like, you know, we, we seek reward systems and all like all that sort of stuff that actually is the underlying drivers of our behaviors every single day. Mm. We have you're right. We have zero understanding of those things. So it would, I guess it would be like rocking up to do your driving test to get your P's and you've never, you've seen, never, in a car you've never seen any of the theory behind how to drive a car. You've never even ridden in a car before yeah. and you're rocking up to do your test and you're thinking you're going to pass. You'll fail every single time. Yeah. Uh, I do think that everyone knows the value of getting a personal trainer to work on your physical health. Yeah. Everyone knows the value of getting a nutritionist to help you out with dietary health. It is it is just as if not even more important these days, especially with everything what we're going through now, to get your mind right and to use a professional to help you get your mind right. Yeah. Because so here, here's something that I learned back in the day. So I've explained on this podcast before, the first real job that I had was a safety supervisor at a high ropes course. And the biggest drama in, in regards to my job was you literally were walking across like high wires and all that sort of stuff. And you had, you were connected to that. The thing that was keeping you safe was two carabiners. So you had two carabiners that were attached to ropes so that were attached to a harness. And the whole, the number one rule at that place was to move them one by one. So you take one off, so you're still connected and you move to the next one. And then you take the other one off and you move to the next one and off you go. And that was a safety rule, which again, when people get fatigued or when people are scared, because a lot of people are scared of heights, uh, your brain works against you and you forget these things mm. to do to keep you safe. Now, 
our job as a safety supervisor was number one to make sure people were do, following the rules and staying safe, but also to help people from the course if they got stuck, got scared, got exhausted, uh, hurt themselves because there were injuries, uh, and that was our job. Now, when when we were being taught how to do all of these things, the first rule that we were taught was we need to stay safe, otherwise we can't keep yeah. anyone else safe. And so, for example, you might have a child that's bawling their eyes out, crying halfway through the course, and your natural instinct is to get to those people as soon as you possibly can to help them. And so you might be tempted to not connect your carabiners on every single safety rope on the way there or move them both at the same time because it's faster. But the problem is if you then have an accident, you can't help anyone. Now, with men, because I've had some similar conversations during the week as well, with men, our, our traditional gender role, which is obviously getting muddied up by society at the moment too, and I do wonder if that's a contributor to how a lot of men feel these days, but our, our traditional gender role has always been the protector and the provider. That's kind of been the role. And I think for a lot of men, they put all of their self-worth in their ability to protect and provide. Yeah. And especially when you're going through, say, an economic time like we are, perhaps a lot of a men's self-worth is being thrown out the window when they're no longer able to do the same protecting or providing that they've been accustomed to. And then they they feel that their self-worth has diminished because Mm. of that. But what I would say to anyone who feels in that certain way is rule number one of being a protector and a provider is that you need to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you can't take care of anyone else. Yeah. So it is actually your responsibility to make sure you're doing anything that you can to keep yourself right because that is putting your friends and your family first. Yeah. You keeping yourself right means that you can be the best person that you can be to everyone that's around you that relies on you. Yeah, and it can help. You know, if you've got the strength in yourself, then then you'll be able to help pick people up. That's right. You. So it is very important. That's right. And also just identifying it and acting on it is, is, is really important, you know, and... We know the things that we do as individuals that hurt us, i.e., you know, eating a whole friggin' chocolate cake or something, yeah. you know, at night, or drinking, or drinking too much drinking, piss every day, too much alcohol, or, yeah. you know, even the the coffee, the coffee thing, like just smacking a whole heap of coffees. I mean, I had my problems um, was like a month ago or something, mm-hmm. and I realised that I was I was heading towards coffee, and it was mm-hmm. making me even more anxious. Yeah, and also, yeah. I, so I was literally feeding my body the thing mm. that hurt me at the time. Yeah. So you've just got to you've got to act on it, you know. And you know, have you forgot? Have you stopped going to the gym? Have you stopped doing a certain thing that used to make you happy? And yeah. you've just got to convince yourself to to make that change back to to yeah. to, to get yourself right. So because um, the things that that are good for us in life are usually difficult, and the things that are yeah. bad for us in life are usually easy or pleasurable to do. So for, for my example, uh, I struggled this year and you guys have known a lot of the struggles I've had with my health because of Nate being in daycare. Mm. So I'd been sick for the first seven months of this year. Mm. So then you probably would have remembered a few pods ago, I was talking about how because obviously we've got number two on the way and Amanda gets pretty horrendous morning sickness that I'm like, I can't really afford to be, uh, to be sore from training and stuff like that, especially if I'm sick all the time, if I've got to take care of Nate and take mm. care of Amanda. And I realized 
and through the help of friends, because I had some friends reach out to me who uh, who listened to the pod and also obviously just chat to me normally anyway, and like hit me up and gone, you realize you just take an easy way out, right? And then I was like, you're right. I was 100%. My brain was, my brain was doing what it was, my brain was trying to protect me. It was retreating. It was retreating. It was trying to protect me. That's right. There's a part of your brain which wants you to not do these hard things because they, they're literally trying to protect you from pain, physical pain or exertion or whatever it is. That word I can't say, it's the amygdala. Well, the amygdala is your fight or flight, fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a whole this is um this is a whole new subject which I think we'll do a full pot on at some point. But I had a very interesting conversation with a friend of mine recently about a thing called parts therapy, and he hit me up and it sort of it really revolutionised the way that my brain thought because he hit me up and he goes, "Do you have two parts of your personality that you feel sometimes work against each other?" And I said, I absolutely do. And my two parts would be this. There's part of me in my brain that really wants to sit on the couch, eat snacks, drink beers, and watch the 40 every weekend. Uh And then there's another part of me in my brain that really wants to get fit again and knows that that first part is is preventing me from Mm. achieving those fitness goals. And, And he goes, okay, cool. So what do you think about that? And I said, well, obviously, I need to get rid of that first part because that's what's holding me back and I need to more so embrace the second part. And he said, well, actually, what you've got to really think about is that first part is a part of your personality which is doing which is doing its absolute best to protect you or help you in the same way that it has your entire life. Mm. Because that part of your brain thinks it's honestly doing the right thing by you. And maybe you're not actually being lazy. Maybe you are watching TV, eating snacks and drinking booze to the absolute best of your ability at that point in time because that's what your body needs to do at that point in time. And he goes, and so with this parts therapy thing, he's like, everyone thinks that all these different parts of your personality are working against each other and need to be, you need to remove certain parts. But obviously rest is really important. Recovery is really important. You can't just push yourself and hustle all the time. So when you think about your personality cut up into all these different parts and you're mindful of them, then you can make a conscious decision and go, you can pick which one of these guys drives the bus. Sure. At whichever part of the day. Yeah. And it like... Honestly, just hearing that from him, I was this fascinated me straight away. Well, that's what I was talking about before. It's about having a tool, having a tool of understanding of what your brain is doing. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, and and it literally ever since then, like now I've started running again and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And I wake up in the morning and like some mornings. So this week, one of my runs that I went on is because Nate woke up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I woke up and I was like, well, I could just go and sit in front of the TV, drink coffee and feel like garbage. Or at least because Nate has gifted me with a a few additional hours of being awake, especially while Amanda's home and isn't going to school yet. Well, Amanda can watch Nate and I can go for a run. And I used that time. And all all it was, was I just changed the driver in the driver's seat. Super interesting. And those mental tools are so important. And you you don't know what you don't know either. So if you want to be a man... Face up to it. Yeah. Face up. To, face up to the problems that you've got. Mm-hmm. Don't leave them unaddressed. Yeah. Reach out. Talk to someone. Get the help. Yeah. Do the things that you know make you good. Mm-hmm. Delete the things that are that are making you feel bad. Mm-hmm. And um, thrive. 
And I'll tell you right now too, because this sort of follows on from another conversation I had during the week. There is nothing more important to invest money in than your physical health, your mental health, and your family. Mm. There is nothing more important than that. So if you if you feel like you're at a point where maybe your job is what is standing between you and your your mental health and your happiness, you actually really need to consider that. Because having a job is trading your time and sometimes your sanity for money. Yeah. And then what you end up doing is you end up trading that money for medical attention or care or advice to make you feel better and boost your dopamine senses. Maybe you just need to rework your, your relationship with money. Yeah. Because I think that can be an issue with a lot of men. I think it's huge. It's a huge issue where uh, money is treated, is put too high on a pedestal. Mm. Money is a tool to facilitate things in life. Yeah. And if you are just working your ass off and squirreling that, that away and you're not using that tool to, to benefit you and your family, mm. then then you're not doing it right. You've got a bad relationship yeah. with, with money. Mm-hmm. Uh also, to yeah, if you if you're if you're in a if you're in a situation where you're letting money get in the way of how your family is going to thrive, mm. that's a problem too. Yeah, it is a tool, yeah. and it's not going away. That's <clears> what <throat> people need to understand. Mm. The money is not is never going to go away. There that's is right. heaps of opportunity out there. If you lost your job tomorrow, mm-hmm. most of you would go and get another job the next day. Yeah, right. If you look for it, opportunity. Yep, only rears its head mm-hmm. every day if you're looking for it. That's right. So. It's it's not a diminishing. It's it's famine mentality. Is what famine you're referring mentality, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. I do not have famine mentality. No, so, I don't either. I haven't had a job for twelve months. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and you make it work. Yeah, you're we, we went. Make it work. We went from a dual income family on on fairly decent income each to a single income family with an extra mouth to feed, and we've barely noticed the difference because I've just changed my mentality around my relationship with money. Yeah. I waste a lot of money because I was, I was working in a job where I was well, not only was it 10 hours at work, but I was commuting three hours a day mm. on a good day. So I was always away from home. So I felt like garbage. And so then I drink more alcohol. I gamble more on sports bet. Like I'd waste a lot of money to try to fire my dopamine centers off to feel better. So then I could handle the next week. Yeah. Ever since I've been off, everything I do now is free. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I really enjoy doing? Taking my son for a walk. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. You know, getting out in nature. Like it's really, it's a beautiful time to be outside at the moment because it's spring and all the animals are out there just living it up. I had the same conversation with someone during the week. Um, this is the first time, my, my phone that I'm running now. So I'm running the S20 mm. Ultra. I've never not had the latest phone that's mm. out. Yeah. In my because I've worked for eighteen years, mm-hmm. every single time I like I would turn one over every eight months. Yeah, I have no need. Well, I'm actually thinking about replacing it because I think it's the the phone call thing's actually not working. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But I I do not feel the need to fill this bucket mm. to make myself feel good because mm-hmm. there are like the things that I find more important is being able to talk to a friend on the phone. Yeah, being able to go and have lunch with you know, family and friends, mm-hmm. that connection stuff. Mm. So important. Is so, so important. Yep. So, And especially in a, in a time like now, and this will segue us into the, obviously mm. the next subject, but uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. And this friend is someone I literally just went to school with. We never spoke at school. We've been friends on social media ever since. And we've just recently started talking now. 
And we both acknowledge the fact that communities have never been more important than they are now. Mm. It is, it has never been more important. And obviously, we're in a, in a situation here where there are powers above us all that are pulling the strings to turn us against one another. So instead of fighting back against those powers together as a united front, we're too busy bickering with each other. And yeah. this, 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 uh, puppet masters. Yeah. And, and this play has been used countless times throughout history because the problem is the majority of people don't pay attention to history and people who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And it's, it's literally happening at the moment. So this will segue us into the, the next subject, which is obviously the whole COVID pandemic vaccination clusterfuck that we're going through at the moment. So I just want to start off with, with something, just a brief statement on this. And this is, this is from the bottom of my heart is where this comes from. Whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated for whatever reason that that is, as a human being, I love you. I care about you and I want you to be safe and happy. There, there should be no one in our society, especially at the moment when we're all struggling, that wishes ill against anyone mm. in society. Because we are, the majority of us are all in this together. Mm-hmm. And again, whatever side of the argument you're on, if you are vehemently fighting for your side of the argument... I guarantee you 99% of people who, who are doing that are doing it because they honestly believe they're doing the right yeah. thing by everyone. Yeah. And that is a commendable thing. Because as the old saying goes, a man who stands for nothing can fall for anything. Yeah. So if you're at least standing up and trying to push what you think is the right thing to do to keep everyone safe, I commend you for that, regardless of what side of the, the mm. fence that you're on. However... If any of you guys paid attention to our podcast right from the beginning when we talked about personal development and leadership, mm. we know you do not you do not help people, you do not get people on your side by punching across the aisle. Yeah. The only way that you can get people together to work together towards a common goal is to reach across the aisle, shake hands with people across the aisle, share your honest thoughts and opinions in a respectful, rational, calculated way and with empathy because you need to have empathy for everyone. And you act like we all know the truth of any matter lies somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, yeah. We all know that. So, this is what I'm going to say to you. The powers that be know there are two sides because they created the two sides. Yeah. You guys out there have selected which team you're on, all right? Regardless of whether you've consciously figured that out or not, you've selected a team because you've selected a side in the debate, and that's cool. This is what I want you to do. Reach out to someone on the other team and speak to them because they're human beings. And the problem is the media and the government is encouraging us to dehumanize each other. And don't forget, there is millions of dollars invested into the divide. Yeah, it's it's billions. It's not millions. It's billions. Yeah, globally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you need to understand that that this this is a this is like we talked about having brain techniques. Mm. There are techniques that are being used. 
against right. us to make us to get a, a response that mm-hmm. always works. Yep. It, it, divide and conquer is like the. It's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. 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 Why would you fight against a united army if you can make them infight and take each other out? Yeah. Why would you not just do that? Yeah. It's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And that's that's something that I I find so troubling at the moment is the like like I'm, I put a post up this week saying. At this point in time, the vaccinated people think they are being imprisoned by the unvaccinated people instead of being imprisoned by the government officials, the politicians and the health bureaucrats who have actually put all these laws in place, who continue to change these laws as they see fit. And when they change the laws, they quote the health advice that they don't actually release to the public. To me, it, it boggles my mind that we're falling for it. And to try to actually, you know, because uh, I believe in in standing by, like I, I, if I'm going to talk the talk, I want to walk the walk. So a lot of you guys who listen to this will probably know that I've had a lot of debates on Facebook during the week, mm-hmm. and I have done the last couple of weeks. And I always try to keep them respectful because at the end of the day, I respect anyone who airs their opinions on this subject in a public uh, forum yep. because it's so divisive and it's it's literally like going into the fire sometimes yep. because you know that by just putting whatever perspective you have out there you know that there are going to be people who you know love and have never had a problem with in your entire lives who might might think about you differently yeah you know that so i respect all of you so I had a conversation with a guy uh, during the week who I'd never met before on a public forum. And we, we have had a disagreement, and, but we respectfully explained our disagreement. And then we sort of left it as it was at the end. And I reached out to him afterwards privately. And I sent him a message and basically said that, uh, like, thanks for talking to me about it. Uh, honestly, I hope that everything um, for you, uh, I hope that you're happy, healthy. I hope your family's good. And if you ever need anything, we live in a similar region. So please mm. reach out. And... And I tried to add him on Facebook and didn't add me at the time. But then the next morning I woke up and he had. And we've had conversations since then. So this is... You've lit- made a friend. I've made a friend. Yeah, yeah, I've made a friend. And he's a good bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I've, I've literally tried to reach across the void to someone I've never even had a conversation with before. Yeah. We've had a debate. We've got different opinions. But guess what? We, are, we have way more in common than, than, we don't. than we don't. Yeah. Yeah. And now we know that. Yeah. It's possible to do, guys. Yeah. But what I want to keep reiterating is we we are not the enemy. We are not causing these issues. Yeah. All these rules that change are the people up here who they're the ones who are still getting paid off our tax dollars every single week. Yeah. They're the ones who are making the rules. So obviously you've had recent uh, a recent thing that's happened is they reinstated the border bubble. Now, the border bubble used to mean that everyone who lives in the border community on uh, the border of Queensland, New South Wales, can go back and forth Mm. as they see fit. The new border bubble that they put in place was only for essential workers, and you could only come back into Queensland if you've had at least one jab. So, unconstitutional, ludicrous rule. Yeah. But then to further justify that, now all of a sudden, because everyone was barking up about it, saying the Northern Rivers has never even had a case, now all of a sudden, oh, they found one case in Ganelabar. Which then brings me into something I want to speak about today, uh, just briefly. The, the mechanism that they pull 
to justify the health decisions they're making are the case numbers. Mm-hmm. So if there's a case somewhere, the the mech, they they go bang. There's been a case, therefore we get to change the rules. Yeah. So and they they've given you a bit of freedom, and then they took it straight away because they found one case. Now we've spoken about on this podcast before how problematic PCR testing is when you go over a certain threshold. And for those of you who've not really been invested in the subject. I've, I've found the perfect way to actually uh, illustrate for you why it's problematic. So, if the way that a PCR test works, which is, uh, PCR stands for polymer, polymerase chain reaction or whatever. So, the way, anyway, the way the PCR test works is you take a sample and you're trying to find a certain bit of genetic material. Mm-hmm. And essentially they use thing called cycles so every time you cycle whatever it is that you're looking for doubles and then it doubles and it doubles every time you do a cycle so to illustrate it for you if if i had a dollar and i was doing a pcr test on the dollar so a lot of scientists have come out to say and including the creator of the pcr test himself dr kerry mullis he said the sweet, the absolute edge of the sweet spot for PCR testing is 28 cycles. Mm-hmm. Because any, if you go over 28 cycles, you can literally find anything in anyone. Yep. And we're using, uh, in Australia, up to 45 cycles on a lot of these PCR tests. Now, I just want to illustrate to you what the difference is. So if you have a dollar and you do a PCR test on a dollar, your first cycle is one multiplied by two, which is two. Your second cycle is two multiplied by two, which is four, and so on and so forth. So when you get to 28 cycles, which is that mm-hmm. peak sweet spot, how many dollars do you think I'd have? <laughs> it would be a shocking amount. Go. 268 million... $435,456. Right. That's, that's at 28, 28 cycles. How many dollars do you think I'd have at 45 cycles? Go. Uh, I actually had to space this out with the words in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 35 trillion, 184 billion, 372 million, 88,832 dollars. Yeah. That's a big number. Mm. So to give you, I guess, an example, that's like 50% of the global economy, the value of the global yep. economy. So I think the global economy is worth about $86 trillion. Yep. So if you just did one PCR test, 45 cycles on a dollar, you'd have half the globe's economy. Yep. That's why it's problematic because you will literally be able to find a molecule of COVID-19 in anyone you do a PCR test on that you cycle up to 45. I've heard an example like if if uh, COVID had brushed across your hair mm-hmm. at one period, if you spin it, if you cycle it enough, you'll find it. Yeah. Because PCR is that accurate. Yeah. Uh, it's designed to do that. Yeah. And as it's the creator... It's not crea- designed to tell you whether it's you're It's not a or not. diagnostic tool. It is a yes, this molecule is present or no, this molecule is not present tool. It does not tell you whether or not you are sick. It also does not tell you whether or not that molecule is alive and active. Yeah. So you could have had COVID 12 months ago. If you find one molecule of COVID in your system, it could be a dead cell. Yeah. That's just not been cleaned away yet by your body. So this is the issue. We use cases. So now, one case in Ganelabar, border bubble, gone. No more going over the border. Gonski. And the problem is, 
it's a very, very common theme by a lot of people in Queensland who go, it's good that they've closed the border off, mm. even though it's unconstitutional. Yep. So I had a conversation during the week with someone who was... I, I mentioned that there's that court case going ahead with uh, them suing Brad Hazard and Dr. Gary yep. Chant, saying that their health recommendations and health laws are unconstitutional. Yep. Because part of our constitution states that any Australian citizen is allowed unimpeded uh, travel over any border in Australia. Mm. It's how it, it's the constitution. So they've been taken to court to challenge their ruling, saying that they're unconstitutional. And I mentioned that to this person. And they said, yeah, but if you took a, a vote right now in Queensland, I guarantee you that everyone would say that they want the border closed because it's keeping the COVID out and keeping everyone safe. And I said, that may or may not be the case. I don't, I don't know if that is correct. And I think there's enough older people in this state that she might be right. Yeah. But going to a vote on something doesn't change the constitution. Yeah. It, do you have constitutional rights or not? Yeah. And... When we, we're in this, we're in, it's such a messy space at the moment where the media and the government is putting enough, I don't want to use the term misinformation, but they're putting enough doubt out there in the minds of people that all of a sudden people think things are laws that aren't laws. Yeah. So to give you the example of, you know, they're talking about vaccine passports in the national cabinet today. Mm. And a lot of people out there think that it is going to be illegal to serve an unvaccinated person at your business. There is no law. There is none. Yeah. You've just got social pressure coming from the government trying to get the business community to do their dirty work for them. And this is a really common thing that I found in business. Mm. So there's, there is, uh, especially when it comes to form and compliance and things like that, there's hearsay. And then there's the law. Yeah. So I'll often jump into, when I've jumped into new businesses and they're like, why do we have to do this? Oh, it's, that's a requirement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we find out where the requirement is? Oh, that person told me to do it. You go to that person. That person told me to do it. That person yeah. told me to do it. And it's become a pseudo law within <clears throat> that organization. That's right. Just because enough people did it. Everyone just spouts it like it's fact, but yep. it's actually not. But it's just because so many people have done it beforehand. It's the way that you've always done it. And then people think it's actually the law when it's not. Mm. And you're right. This stuff happens in workplaces. I'd say every single day. Yeah. Uh, so... We actually need to get back to what what the rule of law actually is. Mm. And what I find interesting too, and this is something that's come up this week as well, is obviously you've had uh, police on both sides of that border policing the border situation, even though it's unconstitutional because it's their jobs. But this week, I know that the Queensland Police Service, there's actually a class action which is forming because they've just been told that they'll uh, it's mandatory for them to get the jab now mm. too. So, again, I've got nothing but respect for police. I've got yeah. nothing but respect for law enforcement. What is, what is a little bit uh, disconcerting for me and a little bit disappointing is that the Queensland Police Service was quite happy to carry out all of these pseudo-laws for such a long period of time until it's been turned on to them and now they're willing to do something right. about it. To me, that's a little bit sad yeah. because... Well, okay, so... Before you continue, yeah, I'm not 100% sure that's real because I know from friends that I've spoken to mm-hmm. within the police, yeah. they are, although they're being told to do something, mm-hmm. they are not doing it. Yeah. 
And obviously so, you're going to have people on both sides sure. of the debate in the police service too. Yes, yeah. yes. So I, I think with what you're about to say, it could be dangerous because I feel like we're being led to believe that. Mm. As it, It's a narrative creator. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. That is yeah. a really good point. And, and again, like... Our mum has worked for the Queensland Police Service for 26 years. Mm. Nothing but respect for police. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a job. It takes a special kind of human being to do. And every single one of you who does that job every single day is a special human being. Mm. You're extremely valuable to our society. And I want you guys to know Mm. that. Um, But look, at the end of the day, it's a good thing that they're coming out to do this. Well, the people who are coming out to do this class action are doing it. Because these things that are happening at the moment... so. If you go back to episode 15, which was the Question Everything Mm. podcast, I didn't re-listen to it, but uh, we spoke about drip feeding in that podcast. That was in November last year. So that's almost 12 months ago now. We spoke about drip feeding and how we have just slowly had a, a change in our way of life and our laws and our restrictions being drip fed into us. And this was back, we mentioned things like vaccine passports and stuff all the way back on that episode. Yeah. Because it was the things that we'd seen overseas. Yeah. And you can guarantee that, you know, it's a, this is a global pandemic. It's a global business opportunity for pharmaceutical companies. You're seeing the global response to it. Yeah. So we spoke about that all the way back then. And think about what's changed in that period of time. Like, we've gone from having, you know, at the start of the year, you had, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. And now we're just in and out of lockdown whenever they see fit, which is usually to extend the state of emergency, which Queensland's is coming up at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I've mentioned it before, but I'll just remind everyone, uh, our honourable member, Yvette Darth, she had put forward the uh, amendment to the bill to change the expiry date from the end of September till the end of April on the 16th of June. So that had been put forth to Parliament on the 16th of June, before they even extended it from yep. the 29th of June. That was already put in place. Yep. That bill, has that amendment hasn't passed yet. I check it every couple of days. I do know, though, that yesterday, I believe it was, Parliament sat and they passed the assisted dying bill. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they may have passed this at the same time. Oh, as... Because, because it's, they it's, sat. It's common to, to package a couple of things yeah. up to try and get... Yeah, market. so I haven't checked it this morning or anything yeah, like that. Okay. I don't know if they'd update it that quickly, but just so you guys are aware, it's all sitting there ready to go whenever they want to pull the lever on it as yeah. well. And uh, as the people who've watched the how the NRL teams and the NRL itself has dodged and weaved all of the restrictions, and Anastasia Palaszczuk has successfully secured the NRL Grand Final, yeah. which is on the 3rd of October... The expiry date of those provisions is the 29th of September. So you would assume there would have to be some sort of measure, because we've gone into lockdown every other time to justify it, that you would need to see before then. So maybe a first week of the school holidays, snap lockdown or something like that. Yeah, It might be something to expect. Mind you, they're that far into it, I don't even think they feel like they need to justify yeah. anything anymore anyway. So and, I, uh, To paint a picture of that... yeah. I know someone, uh, uh, someone on my facey, who has been super, like super level dude, and when that Ganella bar case came out, yeah, he, he was like, they they need to be named and shamed, and I was like, whoa, 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 like that is the opposite of what this guy is about. And what that, name and shame the person who's got COVID? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, like that's, but that's what has um, 
that is an example of mm. we, we've built up so much tension in there that we're like that's the sentiment that's out on the street. That's right. When uh, interestingly enough, I saw a quote this week where someone was talking about the witch hunts back in the day, and mm. they said you got to ask yourself the question: Why is it? that back in that time, everyone was so scared of women that they thought were witches, but they weren't scared of the mobs of people burning women alive. Yeah. yeah it's the same. Hit, and that hit me so yeah. hard. I was like, whoa. And dude, it's the same It's the same sentiment. I shared another video this week from, it's an after school uh, video where Jordan Peterson uh, was talking about when victimhood becomes genocide. And... Essentially, this has happened many, many times in history, but what, what he was speaking about was under Stalin back in the day, which is back in 1920. It's not that long ago. Yeah. It's 100 years ago, yeah. right? What's that, and, three generations? Yeah. yeah. So back when, that, when this first kicked off, now none of these things happen when a, an authoritarian dictatorship comes in and says, hey, you guys, are, we're going to kill and exterminate this population. That's not how it works. Didn't happen under Stalin, didn't happen under Hitler. This is what happens. They come in and they use propaganda to sow a seed of doubt in the community. And what was happening in this situation was that you had a very poor underclass who'd only just recently been freed from being slaves, but they had nothing. Like they used to get bought and sold with farms. And this is in the Ukraine. And those people were under, you know, they, they were poor. They, they thought they were pretty hard done by in life, sure. and they absolutely were. Yep. So then when the communist regime came in, what the communist uh, intellectual elites did was they told those people, you are right. You are. It is unfair the way that you've been treated. It is not okay. And do you know who the problem is? It's the farmers. Because back then, the farmers were the only people who were actually making enough money to be able to employ people. So they actually created a word for these people back then, which was the kulaks. So if you were a kulak, you were someone who was rich enough to employ someone else to work for you. Disgusting. Yeah, disgusting, right? You're not a cool luck because you're a one-man band. Yeah, I'm a one-man band. So, so that word, it, it evolved over a period of time. It took a while for it to actually evolve to, to where it got to in the end. But essentially, what the implication was, was the communist intellectual elites told the poor underclass that the reason why they were stuck in the poor underclass was because of the farmers. Yeah. So then the farmers were branded as kulaks, and then it got to a point where everyone was so whipped up into a frenzy, they would actually have groups of people round up these kulak farmers and send them off to Siberia to die where there was no food, there was no nothing. And then what happened to the people? Well, without farmers, there's no food. Mm. Six million people starved to death. Yeah. Six million people starved to death a hundred years ago because they were convinced that farmers were the reason why they were poor. Yeah. So now you've got a similar situation. But instead of being a kulak, you're an unvaccinated person or an anti-vaxxer, as everyone wants to brand them, when all of us have had every other fucking vaccination that we've ever ever needed to get. We've all had those. We're not anti-vaxxers. We're just a little bit cautious about a medical procedure, especially one that has been rammed down our throats through threat of not being able to participate in society. You should probably 
understand that maybe you'd be a little bit cautious about that. Yeah. But we have a situation where the vaccinated feel like they are being imprisoned by the Kulaks, by the anti-vaxxers, by the unvaccinated, the dirty parasites, who, as Daniel Andrews, one of our fierce leaders, has said, will be out in the community spreading the virus. Yeah. Right? These are the exact same conditions. So this is where victimhood on the part of the vaccinated can lead to genocide if you don't check yourself. It sounds Look, it sounds super, super, super extreme. But you can see the parallels. Yeah. Everything has a starting point. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't start as the hectic end result. Yeah. It starts small. Yeah. And then it snowballs. Sort of like stay home for two weeks to flatten the curve to where we're at now. Yeah. It started small and then it snowballed and gets out of control. And now we are where we're at. And... Can, can I throw this out there? Sure. Has anyone watched Handmaid's Tale? Have you watched Handmaid's I've not, Tale? I've not watched it, no. Have you seen V for Vendetta? Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite movies. How different is life now to what's that? What's illustrated in that movie? Uh, not different at all. <laughs> <laughs> but if, but if, if we were having this conversation... England prevails! If we were having this conversation in 2018, and I asked you how different is life compared to what's in V for Vendetta, what, what would you have said? Oh, you would have said, oh, it's completely different. Yeah. You would, you would have said that, you know, we're, like, I can't believe that like, a, a world like that ever even existed. Yeah. But now, now there are so many parallels. Yeah. Curfews. Yep. Boarded. Uh, um, uh, show uh, us your papers. On the you need to show me your papers before you can come in here and, and, you know, buy a sandwich. Yeah. And that's happened in 18 months. That's right. 18 months is all it's taken. And here's something else for you too, which uh, this will this will piss off all of the victim vaccinated and it will hopefully maybe put a little bit of steel in the hearts of the people who are unvaccinated, not because they're anti-vaxxers, but because they're just naturally cautious and they're trying to make a considered decision and they don't like being bullied into taking a medical procedure. I guarantee you this, and you can quote me on this, and I'm more than ha- I, would, I would love for you guys to throw this back in my face down the track, mm-hmm. but you won't be able to. This is what you'll see happen. As soon as we get over 80% double vaxxed, the unvaccinated will be let loose and allowed to do literally whatever we want. And here's the reason why. Because without the unvaxxed out there spreading the virus, there is no one else to blame when COVID <laughs> continues to circulate. Interesting. There's no one else to blame. Because you're seeing this in the UK already. Yeah. UK going into winter, which as we've discussed, winter is when respiratory viruses spread the most. Going into winter, the UK have thrown out their vaccine passports. Yeah. They've thrown them out. Because they know there is no one else to blame unless you let the unvaccinated get out there. Their cases are surging. Yeah. Like, it's not rocket science, guys. You just need to open your eyes and look and be open to having your mind changed by the data. Yeah. Stop just looking at the shit which makes you, which goes, this confirms my belief. I'm going to move on with my day. Stop it. I showed someone during the week what the numbers look like. Yeah. Like I compared, I compared US, UK, Israel, mm. Australia, case and death. Mm-hmm. Now forget the numbers, look at the, the trend lines. Just look at the trend lines. The yeah. trend lines. India, Peru, mm. right? And he was shocked. Mm-hmm. He'd not been exposed. To, he's, and he was like, why is nobody talking about that? Yeah. And that was, that's not like, I did not search. I did not search. No, um, that's Google's, um, 
numbers. You can just you can literally just switch through the countries and yeah. it shows you all the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is is it not fascinating that in countries like India and Peru, which we would consider as poor countries, they give better medical care than we give in this country. Yeah. Because anyone we're not allowed to give medical care. Here. No, we're, we're not. Do it. Anyone in India or Peru that tests positive for COVID, they send you home with a medicine pack. Mm. And the medicine pack, I know the Indian one has got four things in it. It's got high dose vitamin C, it's got zinc, it's got ivermectin, the horse paste, and it's got a drug called doxycycline. And they send it home and they say, you take this and you get all of your family members to take it as well because they're trying to stop the spread. And then if you get really bad, present to a hospital at that point. And they changed that policy near the end of May. Because their cases and deaths surged at, towards the end of May, which is when they were starting their vaccine rollout. They're only like 2% vaccinated yeah. in India. They've canned it. India themselves, their bar association, has actually sued one of the heads of the World Health Organization for medical malpractice for speaking against ivermectin. And they're saying this has caused, this cost people's lives. Yeah. But you guys wouldn't know about that, even though only three to four months ago, yeah, all wild. we saw on TV was how Delta was ravaging India, bodies how there were so the many streets. dead bodies, they were having to burn them because there's nowhere to bury them, even though they've never buried bodies in India because it's against their religion. They burn all of them. Um, I wonder if on Indian news, they're looking at Australia going, I was going to do the accent, but I won't. No. <laughs> uh, like... Look at the bodies. The bodies coming out of yeah, you know Australia. Oh yeah, it's it. Yeah, it is. Just have a look. Just have a look. Just have a look. Just have a look. And turn off. Turn off. Doctor Kosh and Professor Cashcow. Yeah. And 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 well, just have a look. No, no, no. I'm happy for you guys to watch Doctor Kosh and Professor Cashcow and Doctor Stefanovic and Doctor Rollins on the ABC. I'm happy for you to watch all of these guys. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a notepad out and when you hear a recommendation from them, I want you to write down what the recommendation was and what the date was. And then in 12 months time, I want you to go back and read through all of those different recommendations and note how they've changed over time and note how that they've been completely contradicted within a short period of time. Mm. I want you to do those things because as I said in a thread, so there was a... Another article that uh, Malcolm Roberts, One Nation Senator, has has posted up, which I shared, which was talking about how a lot of GPs are speaking out against the TGA uh, after the TGA made it more difficult for them to prescribe ivermectin. After J- Rogan's podcast. After Rogan's after. podcast. Yeah. So yeah, it was Rogan's podcast saying... No, not a podcast, oh, his, his post. His post. Yep. Rogan's post saying that ivermectin was part of the cocktail of drugs he was using to get better, and he got better within five days. TGA on the 10th of September then restricted doctors from being able to prescribe ivermectin, which you need to know is cheap. It's off patent. It's like you can manufacture this shit for cents on the dollar. That's why all the poor countries have it because it's cheap. So the TGA changed their restrictions as we spoke about last week, saying that normal GPs are not allowed to to uh, prescribe this to patients for anything other than scabies and other um, approved uses. So, funnily enough, a lot of GPs came out a bit pissed off about this because they were saying this is an absolute affront to their profession. How much university and training and supervised study do these people need to do to get their degrees to be able to be a fucking doctor 
And the TGA comes out and goes, yeah, no, you guys aren't allowed to prescribe this to your patients. And the whole idea is that having a GP is the GP knows their patients. That's right. Medical care is supposed to be between a doctor and their patient. Yeah. That's where it belongs. Not public one-size-fits-all policy. Yeah. That is fucking ludicrous. Yeah. That is ludicrous. And at the here s- we are. And here we are. Mm. Here we are. Like, in this country, things are not supposed to be like this. And because we keep, we've always been the envy of the world when it comes to our democracy. We always have been. Us and America, we're a little bit different. Prior to this, America was even, was laughed at because they're so partisan. They're so divided on party lines that they never really get anything done. But in Australia, we've always been the envy of the rest of the world. It's why it's such a popular holiday destination, which by, by the way, good luck tourism industry. No one's going to come here. Yeah. What, you're going to come here to spend... Two weeks in hotel for quarantine three for $3,000. And then you're going to um, try to go out somewhere. And then they're going to go, oh, snap lockdown. Like, you're not allowed to go to that place. Yeah. And then you're going to go home. Yeah, awesome. And you can't get out. Oh, yeah. Or you, or you can't get yeah. out unless you're fully vaccinated. It's, which you won't be allowed in unless you're fully vaccinated. A friend of mine has anyway. taken seven months mm. to get the required paperwork yeah. to travel out. Yeah. So this is... I'm going to keep harping on about this because it, it actually matters. The reason why we are in the position that we are in is because the government no longer fears the people. Yeah. For a democracy to work, the government needs to have a healthy fear of its people. They're called public servants. They're public servants. That's right. It's our taxpayer dollars that pays them. It's our taxpayer dollars that pays them. They're supposed to be representatives of the people doing the right thing by the people. But they no longer fear us. Because we've got a federal election coming up next year, and every single federal election that comes up, it's either Liberal or Labor that gets voted in. Mm-hmm. Every single time. And I've been part of that machine. Yep, me too. Because I've been the one eating up the Murdoch press bullshit my entire life, yep. where they say that Labor's got no economic policies and Liberal's the better person to, to um, run the economy. And blah, 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 Same, blah, blah, I'm blah. guilty. I'm guilty yep, too. I ate it up because 90% of the media in Australia is owned by Rupert Murdoch, who backs the Liberals. I've eaten that shit up. I fell for it. Right, I'm I'm out here. I'm I'm putting guilty. my hand up, going guilty. I was an idiot. I fell for it. I'm not falling for it anymore. So this is what needs to happen. If you actually want to make change in this country, we have an opportunity coming up next year, and that opportunity is the federal election. And the only way that we can make change in this country, meaningful change, is by sending votes and preferences away from the major parties and towards the minor parties. Yep. And there are options out there. Obviously, you've got the Palmer United Party now being headed by Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly, regardless of what the TV has told you about him, because obviously he's going to be painted like a kook, as he has been the last 12 months, he has been the only person standing up in federal politics saying all the things that we're saying now for the last 12 months. And he was roasted for it. You should see some of the ways he gets treated in Parliament just trying to fly the flag for everyday Australians. It's disgusting. And the reason why that attitude is able to, to, to continue is because the major parties have no fear of us anymore. Yeah. When a government doesn't fear its population, but the population fears the government, it's, they're tyrants. It's a dictatorship. Yep. That's not a democracy. We need to turn this around. And the only way that you get turn this out. around is by, even if you don't get them out, as long as you've got enough seats taken up by minor parties that can actually make a difference when it comes to voting on things, or 
as long as Liberal or Labor goes, holy shit, we almost lost that one. Yep. Then maybe they might start making some decisions that actually benefit all of us. But up until now, they're not scared of losing. Yeah. And how many times at federal level do you really see Liberal and Labor disagreeing anymore? It, it's it's stopped. They, they, that they is don't. That's completely stopped. Yeah. They don't. Because, because they're the all same. They're, yeah, they're the same. Yeah. All they're doing is they're eating at the same restaurants, doing fucking shady deals for their mates. Yeah. And before any of you go, oh, don't vote for Craig Kelly because Clive Palmer's backing him, and we just know that he's going to have Clive Palmer's best interests at hand. Well, let's tell you a little story. For one, yeah, we know Clive Palmer is Clive Palmer, and he's got business interests. We know that. We also know exactly who he is, and we also know exactly where Craig Kelly's money's coming from. Yeah. Interesting story came out during the week about Christian Porter. Did you hear about this one? Uh, I saw a headline, but I didn't, I didn't read it. Right. So Christian Porter, as we spoke about months ago, uh, is currently involved in a defamation case against the ABC. Oh, due... yes, actually, I do know this. Yeah, one. you know where I'm going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's involved in a defamation case against the ABC for uh, their basically their coverage of his accused alleged rape 30 years ago or whatever it was. And so he sued the ABC. Now, Christian Porter, his legal case is being funded by a blind trust. Mm. So I don't know if any of you guys know how trusts work, but trusts are essentially legal documents which are always used to either hide the source of money or where money is going to. Uh, and it, also protect you from when that thing collapses. That's right. So, it, for it example, the individual. Yeah. So I would say someone like a Clive Palmer probably has a trust where all of his assets are owned by the trust. So if he gets sued, he actually owes, owns nothing. Yeah. And therefore, he doesn't lose all of his assets yeah. because the trust owns it. So it's a legal framework, which is literally designed to protect rich people yeah. and avoid paying tax. That's yeah. pretty much how they work. Yeah. But that's yeah. why you call it trust. That's, you call it a good thing. You don't call right. it dud. Yeah. Trust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You say a nice word. So the beauty... Like a people's republic. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. He's not nice. Yeah, that's right. But the beautiful thing about Christian Porter's trust, which is funding his legal defense, is it's a blind trust, which means he apparently doesn't know where the money's coming from. Wow. Because he's not allowed to know. The way the trust is set up, he's not allowed to know who is depositing the money into the trust. And it's not shown on any documentation. Now, Malcolm Turbull actually came out during the week and said... Are we for real? <laughs> this is literally like a dude with a hockey mask on, rocking up at the courthouse, dropping off... It's a million dollars in there at the moment. It's a million dollars. Dropping off a million dollars worth of cash and going, good luck, Christian, and, and rolling off. And we're supposed to be okay with and that. And FYI, I'm not allowed to walk to the bank with $10,001 without signing yeah. anti-terrorist and money laundering That's right. um, documentation. Supported by my identification. That's right. So so what I'm saying is, for any of you who are like, I wouldn't vote for Palmer United because uh, Craig, uh, Clive Palmer is just going to have his hands all over it and it's only going to be suit his interests. At least you know who Clive Palmer is and you can hold him accountable if that happens down the track. Meanwhile, the most senior lawyer in the land, <laughs> the most senior lawyer in Australia is having a legal case funded by a blind trust. You will never know where that money came from. You should just say Lex Luthor on it. <laughs> You'll never know. You will never know where that money came from. It's wild. And do you know what? It gets even better. Who's the defendant? ABC, the public broadcaster. Who's paying for their case? We are. <laughs> it's taxpayer money. So, 
just want to let you know there's a shit show going on. Yeah. And if you're worried about Clive Palmer being involved, um, well, at least you know who he is. At least he puts his face to it. Yeah. Uh, did you see his press conference during the week? No, but I saw one of his cars through my uh, wholesale traps. Oh, really? Had, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a car that um, got just got dropped off. Yeah. It was on its way from Melbourne. Beautiful little uh, 280 SL Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous car. Going to his private collection. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So it's got good taste then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Haven't you seen him rock up to... He rocked up to Parliament in a Mercedes SLS with, like, gullwing doors. Could barely get out of the thing. <laughs> That's cool. Good on him. Yeah. Um, so he had a press conference during the week, which was talking about how well the... Um, the it's not Palmer United. It's the United Australia Party. Sorry, yeah. I'll correct myself. Because I've changed the name of it. Yeah, but Palmer was not working. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they've just changed the name of AstraZeneca to... What's the new name for it? Oh, I can't remember. Trust People's Republic. Dude, the, the there's a like it doesn't even matter. <laughs> the um, I'm pretty sure the Moderna vaccine is called Spike Vax. <laughs> like it's literally like we inject you with spike protein. Yeah, the stuff that we keep saying is the deadly bit of COVID. We inject you with a thing that makes you produce that spike protein. Well, to be it's fair, called it Spike says Vax. On the box. Yeah, Spike we, Vax. We didn't like. So no false advertising. Yeah. Um, so he had a press conference during the week talking about how well the membership or drive of the United Australia Party is going. Mm. It's the, um, the fastest growing Australian political party at the moment. And what was really interesting was, uh, there was a reporter there who was slinging, like throwing jabs. And I'd love to see reporters keep that same energy at every single 11am press conference that they've had the opportunity to do for the last 18 months that they haven't. Just to illustrate, it was kind of like steamrolling techniques where you'd ask a question and as they're responding, you just ask it and slam it and slam Don't let them talk. That's right. Actually never let them respond. Yeah. So he, what the reporter was essentially saying, because uh, Craig Kelly and Clive Palmer have come out and have said that they they do not believe in mandatory vaccination. They do believe in being able to use ivermectin as a treatment and all of these things. And this reporter was essentially trying to say, yeah, but you know, what are you saying to New South Wales businesses who are closed when the Premier is telling them that the only way to open is to get double jabbed? And then Clive Palmer... When he was allowed to... When he was allowed to talk, said, I believe they should be open right now. And when their premier is saying that the only way out is by being double jabbed, I would say that she is lying to them. And he threw a corruption bombshell out there for everyone to see, basically stating that Gladys Berejiklian is currently being controlled by a lobby group in Sydney. And that lobby group is being funded by their clients of Pfizer and AstraZeneca, paying the lobbyist tens of millions of dollars to put pressure on Gladys Berejiklian to get all of these laws through to push the vaccine, because obviously of how much money is being made yeah. out of it. And that the own that lobbyist has told Gladys the only way to get out of her ICAC uh, investigation, which is, the- which is the Independent Commission Against Corruption, Corruption Watchdog, the only way to get out of your corruption watchdog... <laughs> is to get these laws through. So to get out of, like, to get off the corruption, you got to do a bit more corruption laws. <laughs> yeah. right? Double down, dog. Now, was... Double dose of corruption. Double dose of yeah, corruption. Yeah. Um, so what is super interesting about this for me is you cannot throw corruption allegations at a senior political official without expecting some sort of legal backlash. Yeah. You can't. 
I've not heard shit. I haven't heard anything, dude. dude I've literally usual, heard nothing. The usual technique, when that happens, you slam them. Oh, yeah. You slam them in media, public. Well, you hit them well hey, up. liberal liberal to liberal, because Gladys is liberal. Who else is liberal? Christian Porter. What yeah. were we just talking about? Christian Porter suing the ABC for defamation because of this uh, historical yeah, rape case. Temple. Right? So he doesn't want his name tarnished by this thing, so he's suing the ABC. But I've not heard a peep out of Gladys or, or her people, because obviously this week she's gone underground, uh, saying that, yeah, not necessary to get out there and report the numbers anymore, uh, even though the cases are still, like, the highest they've ever been. Uh, nothing to do with her ICAC investigation well, and not being questioned about it. Can I throw this out there? Because mm. does that make two ICAC investigations into her? Because the primary one is about the uh, $5.5 million... Well, Part the, the was... $5.5 million one is the second time she's been grilled by ICAC already. Yeah. So this would be a third, technically, but, but if so, it yeah, went anywhere. It, so can I throw this idea out there, or my prediction of the future, that mm-hmm. she pleads guilty to that one and not to the other one? To the first one? The $5.5 million one, because that's the easy one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hey, would. let's do a deal. Let's do a deal. How yeah, about right. I get... I'm guilty of the small one and and we'll forget about the big one yeah so let's just let's just stonewall as long as we can to get the laws through on the flip side because i'm gonna be financially yeah made afterwards anyway and then i'll uh admit guilt to that one to cover up the big one which again that is an old school lying technique you uh you you, you hide admit it. to a small lie to cover up a bigger one yeah so it's it looks like you're going oh you got me you got me. I, I gave my ex boyfriend five point five million. I'm sorry. I, I fucked up. I'll never do it again. Yeah. But that's hiding the like tens of millions of dollars and the potential damage that you're doing to the economy and to the people in it uh, because of uh, your financial interests. So something I've tried to, uh, I've struggled to be able to quantify mm. is I want to know how we can look back on this moment and know whether, let's say, the blue pillars or the red pillars were right. Mm-hmm. And I found it really, really hard to try and come up with a metric yep. that will validate whichever way is correct. Okay? okay. Would one be fair to say if, let's say, if Gladys does get voted out... Now, when's New South Wales' next state election? I don't know when the state elections are. I think they're a little while away. Yeah. If she ends up working for a group oh, but they attached... Well, yeah, but if, if, she, like, if she ends up, mm. is that not a perfect... Like, she, if she works for a pharmaceutical body or yeah. a medical health thing, if she gets a sweet deal, yeah. um, like what, uh, who was the Premier of Queensland? Queensland, um, and, what's her name? And she now runs the banks after GFC, yeah. which crippled all of us. She's got a sweet job with the, yeah. with the banks. And I mean, just recently, too, a story that most people probably don't know about, um, Anastasia Palaszczuk is holding a... It's been this like business dinner thing that she's put on, and the way that they sell it is they go, oh, it's it's to support business and it's to you know get together and talk and be able to make sure that we've got all the information that we need to be able to support Queensland businesses. But it's five thousand dollars ticket to this thing, mm. and essentially what it actually is, it's a fundraising drive by the Labor Party to raise funds, and what they are selling is access to senior politicians. Yeah. So they are, if you pay them $5,000, you get to then go and speak directly to Anastasia. Yeah. Like, we can't. As, as her citizens, we can't. But you get to, if you pay $5,000 to go to this business summit and go and rub shoulders with her to get And you know what's really through. rich? As a business owner, when I did the exercise yesterday to see what my 
2020, August 1st to August 8th number was compared to my August 1st, August 8th, 2021, where we were locked down. Mm. And I lost, uh, the difference between those two figures was $7,500. Yeah. And they and bounced you on the five grand grant. I grand. cannot get the $5,000 grant. Yeah. Yet you can pay $5,000 mm. to the government. Yeah. Who are already getting paid, right? Well, to come- the thing, it, that $5,000 is not being paid to the government. It's being paid to the Labor Party. They're different things. Yeah, it's true. So the five, if you're paying $5,000 to the government, that'll be getting thrown in the coffers with all the rest of our money. Yeah. This $5,000 goes directly to the Labor Party. <sighs> Don't get me started. Woo, sir. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's strange times at the moment. I just want to check my, oh, there's one more story. Uh, oh, sorry. No, there's two. There's actually two. And a key thing to, to, uh, mention is that we are recording this on Friday morning and this weekend there's going to be another freedom protest in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Now you guys be watching this probably on Monday. So I want to throw a couple of predictions out there. Okay which then you'll know whether or not we're right or wrong whilst you're watching this because you've already seen what's happened on the weekend. So, for a start, obviously, Australia has completely lost our right to protest. Yeah. Right? That's been taken away from us. It's another constitutional right which has been taken away from us. And the reason why I say that is because the reporting that I heard about this uh, on TV yesterday was saying the following. Number one, there is going to be thousands of police officers attending to keep things in check. Number two, they will be handing out $5,000 fines to anyone who is arrested and convicted of being part of a rally. Number three, they are switching off all public transport into the city on Saturday so people can't get in. Yeah. Now, when they were doing these reports... I'd hate to be mentally ill and looking for a doctor's appointment yeah. in the city. Yeah. Doesn't matter. On Saturday. Yeah. yeah. This is for your safety. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> when they were reporting on this, what they were showing was violent protests or violent outcomes of protests, vision, people fighting with police, etc., etc., etc. They were already referring to this weekend's protest as a violent protest before it's even happened. <laughs> it was on Channel 9. Um, chan- yeah, Channel 9, I, I even enjoyed watching because... Uh, they're, if you want the good propaganda, go to Channel 9. <laughs> they're the best. So, so they were already referring... I think they're calling the People's Republic of... <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the People's Channel. The People's Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were already Trust referring us. to this coming weekend's protest as a violent protest on Thursday the week oh, before. Can I also say, though, I thought the easiest way to, to quash these protests would be to call them, like, do what America does and call them super spreader events and then support all the... Oh, I've not seen any of that. Well, hold on, because they did call it a super spreader event as well. Already. Already. But they've, but any of the previous protests have not been. No, no, they referred to the last one as a super spreader oh, event. Okay, not, okay so they Channel just, 7, Channel 9 is better. Yeah, they just didn't refer to the Black Lives Matter ones last year as a super spreader events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. But they did refer to the last freedom protest as a super spreader event right. in Melbourne. Right. Now, okay. Even though the vaccination rate is high. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, so this is this is my prediction. How's that possible? <laughs> Sorry, <Hey>. carry on. <laughs> Don't let the data get in the way of a good yarn, bro. Yeah. This is my prediction. So Monday you'll be watching this. We will only see violent scenes on TV from the protest, mm-hmm. and those violent scenes, there is a very real chance that they will be started by an agent provocateur. Yeah. 
So what an agent provocateur is, and you see this at protests all around because it's such an effective tactic, is when the protests are peaceful, they're the one who throws the first stone at the police, and they're the one, if you actually watch the footage, they're right in the front of everything, starting everything up, and they don't get arrested. Yep. Because someone's there to incite violence. Yeah. Now, I implore all the protesters, violence is not the way. Violence yeah, will never it. get your point across. Yep. Violence is exactly what these people want you to do because... It discredits everything. It discredits everything that yep, you're trying to do. Your whole message is lost. That's right. So what I would love to see, which you're not going to, is when this agent provocateur throws the first stone and the police start attacking, I would love to see everyone just sit down, hands on their heads, and just stay silent. Mm. You're not going to see it, but this yep. is like, this is Gandhi shit, yep. right? It's passive resistance. Passive resistance. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd love to see. Now, you're not going to see that because even if it does happen, the TV's not going to show it to you anyway. So this is what you are going to see. You're going to see violent scenes on the TV. You're going to see the amount of arrests that were made over the weekend. You're going to see these... An extremely small number of uh, protesters reported. So they'll say, yep. uh, like a rally of 10,000 yeah. will say those 300 people. That's in. right. You will see the number of fines handed out and you will have it referred to as a super spreader event and they will be referred to as anti-vaxxers. That's what you'll be seeing on TV. Have a drink every time you hear those terms. Yeah, yeah. That's what you'll hear about on TV. And I guarantee you as well, you will then have possibly over the next week or so, Daniel Andrews and his government come out and extend lockdown and blame the event. Yeah. It's a super spreader event. These people are so selfish. They've been out there spreading the virus, these anti-vaxxers, and because of them, we now have to extend lockdown again for everyone's safety. It will be a concerted effort designed to turn you against people who are putting themselves on the line for your freedoms. Your right to choose to get vaccinated or right to choose not to, that's what these people are out there marching for. And to cross borders and to be able to... And to hug granny and to see your family and and to provide for your your family. And connect with people. Yep. That's what these people are out there marching for. And if you keep having the TV turn you against them, you will find yourself on the wrong side of history. Mm. I made a point... Uh, another mate of mine who's got way too many friends on Facebook put a post up about uh, vaccine mandates. And he got a lot of response to it. And I made a point on there, which I got zero replies to because, and I was hoping that someone would go me, but they didn't. And what my point was, was this. Uh, A lot of people were on there spouting how it's the unvaccinated that are going to be out there spreading the disease and they're the ones who need to get get jabs because you need to take the protection to protect the people who've taken the protection. So that sink in. Um, that's was, why I wear glasses, so that you can see better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's why I wear a hat to protect you from the sun. Yeah. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of fear out there. And so I just made the point. I said, do you remember when we were told that gay people and gay marriage were dangerous? Because that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. When did the um, gay marriage laws pass? Was it 2016 or something? Or oh, when did it say 14? Somewhere uh, in there. Anyway, yeah. it's, it's within the last 10 years. Yeah. Now, everyone who was scared of gay people or scared that the gay would spread if we accepted gay people into our lives and into our communities, where are they now? It seems really fucking ridiculous in hindsight to think that gay people and gay marriage are dangerous. It's ridiculous, right? Ludicrous to even think that we even had those laws. Yeah. So, 
in 12 months' time, when the exact same thing happens with this vaxxer, anti-vaxxer debate, which side of history are you going to be on? And here's something else that's super cool out of this whole thing. What is your permanent Facebook history going to show? Yeah. Because this shit's permanent now, guys. Yeah. So if you're out there spouting... uh, Everyone needs to get vaccinated and the unvaccinated people are dangerous and they're the reason for all the problems. That is a permanent record which will pop up in your Facebook memories every year when it comes up and you'll be reminded of how much of a scared, bigoted dickhead you've become. It'll pop up when you're on your, uh, as a reminder to go get your booster shot. <laughs> And you know what? It'll probably pop up. Actually, this is what I hope happens. I hope it pops up when you're in the middle of campaigning for some other minority group that you think is victimized because typically all the people who are so uh, uh, telling everyone they have to go out and get jabbed for everyone's safety, what I find really interesting is you click on their page and you go through all their profile pictures and they're the ones who've always got the frame around of going, I support uh, marriage equality. Uh, I support Black Lives Matter. I support... And look, it's great. You can support all the causes. That's cool. But you can't support the causes which are based on the persecution of a group of people and then go out and persecute a different group of people. (laughs) Like, you've got to keep that same energy. You've got to stay consistent. Because a lot of you guys are outing yourself at the moment not as bigots but you're outing yourself as being so easily manipulated yeah because that's what this whole thing is it is manipulation at its finest and you've fallen for it and your facebook memories will remind you in the future when you're a little older and a little wiser it's wild out there stay Stay safe everyone and on that note thanks for joining us we'll see you next rdo